Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi, everybody. It's Doc from the John Freaking Mirpod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Missed these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Hey, greetings hikers. Thank you for joining me, JFM, for another episode. Today we're going to be talking about getting started and what is involved with that concept. Specifically, once you have made the decision to undertake a long distance hike, what comes next? To help us walk through those issues, we've got a guest on the show today. Very excited to introduce to the podcast, uh, in person this time, 
the one, the only, Buddy. You know, Buddy is our first guest. He had to be the first guest on the show. He is he's our, my partner in crime, where this all started for me. And so, welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, buddy. Oh, thank you so much. It is truly freaking great to be here um, in the luxurious uh, John Freaking Muir Studios. Uh, I, I feel excited. Welcome. I feel a bit like a celebrity. You got to park in the driveway, did you? I did. I did. And if there's a valet next time, is that's the only way it could be better. Okay. Is the is the sheer magnificence of the studio all that you thought it might be? It's kind of overwhelming. Um, the the extravagance. The it's like being in in uh, Taj Mahal, maybe some kind of a castle. Maybe if you could just look around the studio and and just name without explanation, just name three things that you can see within your line of sight. Uh, I see fine oak. I see a portal to the outdoors in this here window, and I see the uh, the high level technological gear that's recording our magnificent voices right now. Outstanding. Standing. Well, as I said, today's theme is all about getting started. Buddy, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in long distance hiking? And, and last time on the, on the first episode, I made mention of our uh, summer 2015 hike. So before that hike that, that we did that summer, had you had any other overnight backpacking experience? Definitely overnight backpacking. Um, kind of just grew up in an outdoorsy thing. Um, when I was young, we lived in the Lake Tahoe area, and you just you, you can't. You're you're in it. You're living it. Um, from hopping out of the bedroom window in the national forest and romping around in the snow. My favorite time was the summertime. So that, that's just the thing, and that's that's where um, backpacking got started. My first backpacking packing trip in the the desolation wilderness with an uncle, um, cousin, and my brother, and all kinds of hijinks that went along with that. Um, other than that, you know, the camping experience for, for forever. Um, just be, being out there, being among the trees, being among the, the scenes, being among the dirts um, of, of all types, of all places. If, if I can get my toes in there, I'm good. Um, the long distance piece really really picked up with, with you blending the the running, get that, that kind of fitness base where, all right, well, I can, I can do a half marathon, I can do a marathon, I can, what's, what's 220 miles? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, I, 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 somebody one time, I wish it was my joke, somebody said, wait, so, so this whole hiking thing, basically you're just going for a walk? Um, so yeah, just like that. Yeah, it's just, just like so it's that. That easy. Um, so that you know puts it all together and brings this outdoor experience that was always part of the thing to to this more endurance aspect that um, physically endurance, but just it couldn't be more inspirational when you're out there. Yeah. So I noticed you said dirts plural, and I'm, I'm guessing that uh, you said you said it that way just to imply that you are uh, kind of an expert uh, in getting dirty. Definitely. Um, I'm, you might call me a dirty bird. Um, it's, I, I recognize dirt when I see it. So I think that makes me something of an expert. Connoisseur. <laughs> True connoisseur. Connoisseur. Now, now, Buddy is not your real name. It's your trail name. Fact. And, and we are not going to reveal you know, real names on this. this. That's not what this pod is all about. This pod is about the trail. And here we are. We're taking a journey. Uh, you are Buddy. I am, buddy. Um, tell us a little bit about how, you know, what, actually, what are trail names? Uh-huh. In case there are some listeners out there listening to a, a hiking podcast who don't know what trail names are, you know, that off chance. Yeah. And, and then also how you came to be buddy on the trail. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, trail names, um, they, they really come out on 
the these multi-day through hikes. Um, not not so much a backpacking trip, you know, something you do with friends, but uh, where you're really in a, a whole different world, a whole experience, experience, um, and the commitment level. I, I first got aware of trail names from um, from PCT hikers, and um, so <laughs> you, 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 all types. What what have we heard? crumbs for the for the one that is uh hey do you have any of that left and eating up everything to uh somebody i think he called himself robin hood um what else is out there a guy guy we passed up on a section of the pct turtle 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 older guy turtle he 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 said he started off as the fighting turtle but uh he didn't think he had much fight left so he was just the turtle it's kind Um, of indicative of his speed yeah yeah um Always legendary in my mind, a guy we, we crossed at a KOA doing just a segment on the PCT, Cheese. His name was Cheese. Um, but like all, all good nicknames, I, I, I think um, they're, they're, it's when you're experienced or you're screw up or, uh, or just something about your, your personality comes through um, and, and one day somebody just decides this is your new name and uh, you just got to go with it. Buddy... Um, Goodness gracious, we're not giving away secrets if we talk about where a certain type of dirt is. Vasquez Rocks, we were doing a long section of just a, a, a long day hike, um, passing through there, and uh, I guess it's just my way. You know, when, when we're out there passing through, I'm, I'm chatting them up and uh, finding out what they know, lending a hand, whatever. I'm, chat, I'm chatting up everyone out there. I think that's part of, the, part of the experience, is just being stoked out there with whoever you run across. Um, and the, I, I, I fell behind, got back and pulled up and, and my, my hiking partner said, Hey buddy, <laughs> that's going to be your new name. You're, you're buddy enough with everybody. So it's a name. I think it, uh, I think it's even become a verb like, Hey, why don't you go buddy that up? <laughs> yeah. I remember vividly on the, the John Muir trail, uh, we would come into contact with hikers that were going the opposite direction and without fail, Buddy would stop and would uh, begin to share what our experience had been the last half day at least in terms of weather, uh, trail type, incline, mm-hmm. uh, just sharing all that information and then would, would pause and see if the other person would, would also share <laughs> so we can, get, we can gain some insight into what we were coming up uh, against in the, in the near future. And uh, yeah. he, he was definitely Buddy. He was, he was sharing <laughs> there, that's, Yeah, that, that's all you got. You're, you got to lean on each other. Um, it's pretty cool slice of humanity out there. All right. Thank you for that. Okay, so, you know, previously we talked, we've, I, I talked about on the first episode about, you know, embrace the suck on a long distance hike because you're out there just enduring it. It is, it is uh, no fun going up steep inclines. It's no fun going down steep inclines. You're, you're sleeping on a thin pad on, you know, rock hard ground. You, you know, you're cold, you're, you're too hot, yeah. you've got bugs, mosquitoes, whatever else. And then you talked about you know running marathons or half marathons and you know kind of what is what is next. So there, there's some level of suffering that comes with long distance hiking. Why why do people subject themselves to a high degree of suffering to experience it? What what is the the attraction to this? What's the attraction for you? Yeah, for, um, 
the yeah, there's there's a lot you can wrap up in there. Um, you know, to hit, to hit back really quickly, half marathon, marathon. You don't have to have trained yourself up to that type of, of fitness, but you, you know, make no mistake, you've got you've got to have a base level of fitness if you're going to do um, one of these extended through hikes and not just a, a weekend backpacking trip. Um, but the the attraction, oh my gosh, it. it, it doesn't even show up good in a photograph. One of the attractions picture, uh, look back on the miles you covered um, and the the view that is the most breathtaking thing you've ever seen. So, you know, there's there's that inspiration piece. Yeah, but, I've, I've uh, often described it to friends as hiking, long distance hiking is hours of torture uh, interspersed with moments of beauty. Yeah, um, and, and just magnificent uh, moments of beauty that like put the universe in perspective type of thing. Um, but then that, that the suffering, I, I don't think it's too corny to, to say it's sort of in the eye of the beholder for, for me. Um, do you want to focus on the suffering? Um, and the suffering, it, it, it's of degrees. <laughs> is, is it more suffering than sitting on your lazy boy um, watching an excellent TV show? Sure, it's, it's more uncomfortable than that, but any kind of activity is more uncomfortable than being passive. Um, but the, it's, it's, it's an accomplishment. Yeah. I I don't think there's anything really more humanly motivating than an accomplishment. And so it's that, okay, you're, you're going on an uphill and it, and at elevation, it takes the wind out of you, but you're making, you're making progress that whole time you turn around and and you see, holy smokes, I, (laughs) you know, I'm up 2000 feet already. Um, so Tangling that back in, and and that sense of accomplishment, um, that sense of how how powerful you can be on your own two feet, um, is, is that that that's a big drive for me. Um, just the fact that you can look back and say, "I can do that," and you feel like you can do anything. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a very interesting sensation when we did that hike in summer two thousand fifteen to be dropped off and told all right guys you know good luck we'll see you in you know eight or nine days 125 miles south of here yeah and the car drove away and there we were with everything on our back and our own two feet and maps and uh just a will to do it and yeah lo and behold we we got there and you're exactly right it's a it's an incredible sense of accomplishment and uh really empowering definitely definitely the the Endurance for sure, because because you're you're extending over time. But um, that that endurance is it's a commitment. Um, you, if you've got the will, you're capable of doing it. In a sense, it's one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you you learn to trust yourself. You learn to trust the people you're with, and mm-hmm. that that that's what I love about it. I you know the, a, a long drawn out steep climb. Um, you, you can't pretend that, that that's easy or anything you'd normally associate with, with comfortable, but I'm, I'm not trying to sound cool or meta or Zen or anything like that, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't bug me. Um, as I'm going along, it just feels like, yeah, here, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I want to get to that peak. I want to get to that river crossing and, you know, inch by inch, you're, you're taking it all in, you're reeling it in. Yep. Hey, you mentioned commitment. Made me think of of our spouses and you know us up and leaving for 
eight, nine, ten days at a time. Yeah. Uh, is, was your spouse like my spouse and, and happy to get rid of me for that length of time, or was there any kind of uh, friction there? Uh, you know, she she was super cool and cooperative with with doing it. Um, you know, I, I think we're overstating a little bit of uh, get the heck out of there and, and slam the door on you. You maybe change the locks on it while you're gone, um, but. It, it, it takes that support. We we've got families, um, and that it's not easy for anyone doing it doing it solo. You know, lucky for us, it's just a period of time while we're on a trip. But um, total support. The, you know, they 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 all thought it was really cool and impressive, and wanted to hear stories. And uh, yeah, it, it's I appreciate them, and um, it's all good. Inspire them to want to do some of the same stuff. Yeah, yeah, great, great stuff. So, hey, once we made the decision to hike that 120 miles from Florence Lake, basically the, the middle of the John Muir Trail and head south down to Whitney Portal, uh, what did you do first? What, what, what was involved in your preparation for that, that hike? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of maps, you know, a lot of pouring over maps. Um, and the, is it, I'm not looking at it right now, I think Elizabeth Wank, um, her book uh, about the, the John Muir Trail, super great resource. I, I you know, couldn't appreciate her and her crew and her years of experience. Um, fantastic work. That, that guidebook has so much accurate, useful, really puts, gives you a peace of mind. Um, you can't, must have. Just got to say that's a must have. Um, but, but going through there, um, one, reading, of the, yeah, go ahead. one of the first things I had to do was get gear because you know we had talked about hey let's let's yeah. do this hike and I had I had zero gear I yeah had, I had I had fair no, enough I had nothing so yeah so I was going a little bit opposite direction of you know what I I I knew there's a couple guys going with me and, <laughs> and here I'm the captain of this ship which is like you know I took it really seriously not not to overstate it but you know breaking it down and what where are what's an achievable segment in a day when you got to push yourself to make it, make it happen and, um, setting it up of, we're not going to stop midday halfway up a mountain. So pace it out, get good segments, find good camping spots, um, planning based on water, planning based, putting it all together, notes, updated notes, campgrounds, alternative campground or camping spots, not campgrounds. We're, we're not pulling out in with, with hookups. The, the campgrounds I'm talking about are, oh, you can squeeze a tent in this semi-flat space. Let's Here, go. Here's a flat space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. I remember you were, you were very methodical in terms of um, trying to plan where we camp for the night and talking about uh, inclines and passes. You always tried to set us up so that we were, you know, that, that we would be able to achieve going over the pass fairly early in the morning and then have descent yeah. uh, the rest of the morning and then maybe start climbing again in the afternoon and setting us, setting, setting us up again for crossing that pass first thing in the morning. Trying to do the hard work uh, first thing when we're strongest. Definitely, definitely. Um, the, the, the other uh, little subtle piece on what we were planning is um, there's, there's the mileage and the elevation as good stopping points because you've only got so much gas in a day. Um, but also trying to plan it so that you're camping on the absolute coolest view possible. Mm -hmm. if, if you can be around a lake and a vista, you know, take advantage of that. It's money mm -hmm. in the bank. Mm -hmm. um, but gear, gear I, I had a variety of gear, you know, added to it and stuff. But, but I w wasn't starting from scratch on mm -hmm. there. So, you know, my start was looking more on the logistics. Yeah, we're going to have another 
episode that that talks specifically about gear and kind of getting into the, the details. We might even do a uh, um, kind of a uh, you know we're going to unpack the pack a shakedown. That's what it's called. Uh-huh. Right? We're going to shake. We'll, we'll take our packs and we'll we'll shake them down. We'll weigh them and we'll kind of go through piece by piece uh, what we've taken and, and how much those things weigh. But you know, I like I said, I had nothing, and so I actually you know we made the decision I think in November or December to do this trip in the summer, and so I kind of had to to plan out on a budget. Yeah. Um, how I was going to acquire all this gear. So I came up with, like, I'm going to make a major purchase every month. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, first, first, uh, first month it was a pack. Get right. A, get a, get a backpacking pack. That's, that's going to be key for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and my, my thing, if you look across my gear, um, it, it, a couple things about it is it, it comes in clearance colors of uh, <laughs> whatever's the end of the year season and you know, whatever I'm going to check it around in the dirt and, and all that so whatever is on the, on the biggest clearance that's the right size or um, one, one of my pro tips is uh, looking at eBay um, you, you can find some real high quality stuff there that we can get into more of that on another time but yeah. it, it's a, you, you see a lot of Bought this really great gear at REI. Thought I was going to use it, never did. Yeah, and I'm like, sure, I'll pay you know forty percent for that. Yeah. Speaking of eBay, you know, I I got my pack that first month. I got it from REI, and it was a Duder pack, and yeah. it was a, I don't know sixty sixty uh, gallon mm-hmm. uh, capacity, and it was great. That's what I used on the first first big hike, maybe first two hikes, and then I came across a Granite Gear Crown Two on eBay for an incredible price, and I picked yeah. that up, and it was. You know, like two and a half pounds lighter than the than the first pack, and, and two and a half pounds. You know, if you haven't been out there, two and a half pounds doesn't sound like a whole lot, but <laughs> you know, it adds up quickly. And so, <laughs> swing that pack up on your back, you feel two pounds yeah. real quick. Yeah. So, first month for me was pack, and then then I went back the next month and got a tent. Uh, yeah. From REI, single person tent. Mm-hmm. And you know that's evolved over time as well. And we'll oh, definitely. <laughs> you know what? I, that's part of the fun too. Of you know, not not just getting used to and fine tuning your gear, but then kind of one upping your gear. You mm-hmm. know, can you can you go cooler? Can you go lighter? Can you mm-hmm. go just like any hobby? You you know, you you can go nuts with it. So that's good. I, I would say we'll probably talk more on on future episodes about some of the specifics and and maybe give some tips and pointers. Not so much for a certain brand, but what we have found to look out for to make your decision um my probably probably number one key takeaway of somebody getting into this um i say it is far easier to overpack than to underpack uh, everything you bring you think you might want that creature comfort uh, it's going to be on your back for days um mm-hmm. and yeah it's there, there's plenty of entertainment just doing the process mm-hmm. and plenty it it, it you can live a lot more simply than you think you can once you get out there. Yeah, and from my experience and um, my viewing of others' experiences, if you overpack, you know, after that first day, after that first full day of hiking out in the middle of nowhere and stumbling into camp, there's there is a uh, a tradition where you go through your pack and you make an offering to the trail gods. <laughs> These are things that that you have decided after day one, after after hurting. That uh, you're gonna leave these behind to some fortunate camper uh, yeah. hiker to come by, and they can they can take advantage of you of it. But 
But for whatever else, you are not taking that another step further. <laughs> I did that on the first night, guaranteed. Yeah, it, it, it's key to be at a spot where there's like a, a multi-trail juncture because Forest Service will will have uh, bear boxes, you know, out in some of these spots. The the only sign of uh, civilization other than you know a managed trail for hundreds of miles. Um, yeah, you, you you stick a little uh, a little goodie in there, and somebody comes up on uh, on a birthday Christmas surprise inside the bear box. Christmas surprise, nice way to put that. All right, so we've talked about uh, packs, a little bit about tents. We're not going to get into a whole lot of details, but it, besides those two pieces, what what are the two most important? types of gear that you want to pay attention to when you're you're getting ready to go on a long distance hike uh key key for me um what i would recommend to absolutely everyone first thing to prioritize is your sleeping pad and your sleeping bag um if you're not sleeping you're you're a goner um you're you're doing physical activity you don't have the energy for that it's it, it's taxing by the end of the day because you you're you're working you're burning up calories and and it's very easy to get hangry um, and 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 things like that. I, I I notice when I start tripping over rocks, uh, it's time to eat. Um, what does that have to do with sleeping pad, sleeping bag? You you got to have your wits about you um, and that that is key. They're they're simple pads. Um, I go with an inflatable one because I I cannot help but getting on my side when I'm sleeping and uh, that that inflatable just gives that cushion to to navigate that so my hips have a place to go while what sleep is key. Make sure you have it. I, I take that all the way to um, part of my main kit always includes a, a handful of uh, of generic Benadryl pills. So something's not going right in whatever the reason. You're feeling cold. You're missing home. Um, yeah, a, a nice little little dose of that and conk out until morning, and you can face the next day. Yeah, I'm gonna share. Sleep's key. I'm gonna share a, a sad little tale here. <laughs> Because one of the things I thought would be so cool on this hike is I, I could not wait to get out of the city, get up into the mountains, and see the stars at night. Just see the <laughs> the sheer magnificence of hundreds of thousands of millions. I don't know how many stars, but just the, the, the night sky filled up with stars. And every single day, we would hike. We would be exhausted. We would get into camp. We would set up our tents. We would cook our cook our dinners, we'd eat, we'd sit and look at each other, uh, stare at each other blankly for a, a bunch for, of jokes <laughs> for, for, for a little bit. And then we say, okay, I got to go to bed. And I don't think I saw the night sky once on that trip. That That is yeah. a sad, sad story. I, I'm in my tent. Uh, it's daylight out. It's probably, you know, 6.30, 7 uh-huh. o'clock. And I am just toast and if, yeah, you, you and, if I, and if I wasn't sleeping well it, I mean it's tough to sleep out there anyway but if, and if you have inadequate sleeping gear and you only get a, a few hours of sleep at night that it's just misery the next yeah, day yeah you're, you're grumpy you, <laughs> you feel miserable and you're miserable to the people you're around mm-hmm. um, the maybe we'll we'll get into it or clip this out to to save the surprise but um, some PCT hikers we were talking to Called, I don't know if it was eight or nine p.m. Hiker midnight. <laughs> like, whew, you're gonna stay up that late? <laughs> yeah, they, it's been it's been dark for over an hour. What, that, are you, what are you doing, you wild and crazy party man? That's a good story because we did run into those PCTers, and uh, it was uh, a guy and a gal, and their names were 
uh, crumbs and naps. Yes, yeah. I believe crumbs <laughs> and naps. Yeah, so I right. only imagine why they got had those names, how they acquired those. But uh, they made reference to Hiker Midnight, and we're like, "What? What is Hiker Midnight?" And they said, "Oh, that's, that's 9 p.m." Yeah, you know? and you're like, <laughs> relatable. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Once they once I said 9 p.m., we knew exactly what they were talking about. It's like staying up to midnight on a regular night. And yeah, any other situation. So, Brian, I've heard you talk about it a few times before, but why don't you share with our listeners the whole concept of your gear triangle? Okay, yeah, gear triangle. The the three things that go together when you're putting together, uh, go together when you're putting together. When you're gathering up the gear and making your decisions, there's three pieces that all relate to each other. Price, weight, and durability. So... Weight, obviously. The, the, you don't want to carry around any more ounces than you have to. So if you're trying to go lightweight, it's either going to be far less durable or it's going to cost you far more money. Um, you want to save money, you're probably going to increase the weight and lower the durability at the same time. Um, if, if you want to save money and have it very durable, you're probably looking at army surplus that was meant to be carried around by a tank, not some guy's back. Um, and if you want to have the lightest possible weight and still durable to, to make it worth your investment, you're going to pay some money, um, especially if you buy it new. But, you know, don't, don't forget clearance orange is a beautiful color and, uh, and watch out for those Ebays, especially in the off season. Yeah. Excellent, excellent analogy. I mean, definitely those those three factors um, are key in gear. So great. To, thanks for sharing that. So okay, so we, we've we've uh, we've made the decision to go. We've got our guidebook. You've mapped out kind of you know, the route, campsites, um, how many miles per day. We've we picked up our gear. I, th- I think I consulted maps while we hiked too. Yeah, once or twice. Absolutely. You didn't, you didn't commit on the memory. You, you, you brought you brought backup just in case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 even if it was like, hey, we're we're, we're on an elevation. Uh, let me just catch my breath. I, I'm probably pulling up a map and just seeing what lies ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah, just because I'm an idiot. Pulling out the map, unfolding it, and then laborious laboriously folding it up again and, and stashing it back in the pack. That took a good you know five ten minutes of good breathing time. That may be an exaggeration, but I'll own it for sure. So we've 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 got the route, we've got the maps, we've got uh, the gear. Mm-hmm. Do we just pull up to the trailhead and start walking? Uh, Is that allowed? I mean, <laughs> I, allowed? Sure. You know, you're kind of stumbling into the great beyond. Um, but uh, the permits, I don't know how much we want to get into that and. and Heading into this season um, will really be the, the first time for me that I'm facing what, I, what I'm hearing about is a little more modern um, system. Um, but uh, Forest Service website for, for most of these, um, getting a permit, especially on a popular trail, John Muir Trail, things like that, you, you face some quotas. Um, and through the national parks, uh, Sequoia Kings Canyon, um, Sierra National Forest, you'll, you'll pass through these zones. On, on the eastern side, you get into the Inyo, that's Inyo Face. Um, and so each of, each of these forests are, are run by a ranger agency. Great, why am I telling you this? Um, quotas, some people get annoyed by that. Like, hey, this is national land, we own this. It can't tell me whether I can or can't go. But the quotas are a good thing. Trails absolutely get overused. If you've ever been anywhere in the Whitney Portal, you 
you cannot help but notice the human impact. Um, it, it's serious. And um, so the quota system is, is great because it keeps the, keeps the trails, keeps these areas exactly what you want from them. Um, what uh, the angle I, I took on planning our trip is there are popular, very popular spots, either 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 because they're very easy to get to or they're near someplace people want to be anyway. You want to come in at Devil's Post Pile, Red's Meadow, and Mammoth, you're competing against the whole world that wants to have some beers in Mammoth before they start their, their hike the next day. Um, so strategy for, for me for dealing with the quotas is, is come in in a spot that's a, a little less popular. Um, and then it... it for us, it just so happened that, that Florence Lake is just about dead center in the middle. You, you got to hike out to officially get to the John Muir Trail, but once you're there, you're, you're almost split right down the middle, and we chose that. Yeah, every year you see on these Facebook groups um, for John Muir Trail, a lot of angst from hikers who are trying to get their hands on a, a full distance permit to go you know, from one end to the other, all 211 miles. And you know, having to fight the lottery system and, and getting lucky or being unlucky and, and having to give up on what day they wanted to actually start. Yeah. I think we really had an advantage. It was you know advantage and disadvantage. We didn't get to hike the whole trail all at once. So it wasn't uh, technically a through hike. But we, we, we've been able to hike the entire trail. We just, we've done section hiking. And yeah. so you know, by doing half of it at a time, we were able to drop into a, a spot that was not heavily um, hungered for by other hikers for permits. So it was real easy to get the permit and we had no problem, uh, of course, tacking on Mount Whitney to the end of it. So it's... Yeah. Yeah. It's um, section hiking. I don't think we even kind of spelled out yet that, that that's what we did on this trail. And you know, I we mentioned we've we've got jobs, we've got families, and and I really see for for me where I am, section hiking is the only thing that really makes sense. Um, I, and I I don't think there's a, it's anything any less of an accomplishment that that you do it in pieces. Um, you, you still get every last thing out of it that that you set to. Mm-hmm. Um, any any hankering at all to do the the full PCT in one sitting? The full PCT? I don't think I ever even want to section hike the full PCT. Um, I'm not saying nobody else should like that. I'm not trying to, you know, be a party pooper. That's just, that's just not something that calls out to me. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know. What, what can I say? I don't think I have to prove that to myself. Um, there's, there's plenty of things I want to do and, you know, hikes I want to do, views I want to accomplish. Um, the Mojave Desert? searching for water and just kind of praying on or praying for for trail angels it's not high on my list i I just don't need to do it um but that you know it's it's awesome (laughs) you know it's awesome for the people who want to do it it's just not there for me yeah back to the back to the permits um john Muir trail goes through three national parks and so if you are going to section hike it if you're going to start somewhere along the trail which of those Agencies, which national park do you go through to get your permit? Is it where you're going to finish, or is it where you start? Uh, it is where you start. Um, then, so you, that that's how you can how we talked about. Maybe it'll be a, a less of a quota demand. So your starting points, each of the starting points where you can drop in, um, those have a quota of their own. Um, but you, you definitely have to have a permit on either side of it um, because. Going Whitney Portal's packed all the time. Yosemite's packed. I call that outdoor Disneyland. Um, but 
easy to get those quotas on the, on the smaller one. It's based on where you start. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the parks is, as you said, Inyo, mm-hmm. and you said Inyo Face. And yep. so I just had a flash right there that, that Inyo is kind of like the alter ego of Buddy. This is, this is the dark side of Buddy. You know, Inyo is his trail name. Inyo and Buddy, kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Something pretty um, A, a piece, if, if you're just getting into this, um, uh, a piece to know about the, the permit system. You register, you're approved, um, but you've got to pick it up with at, at the ranger station within 24 hours of the start of your hike. Um, and I, I've heard some people be like, "What? Why can't they just you know email it to me, mail it to me?" Um, and and it it's actually a good thing. It's not just a chore for you, but there are always people who have their permits and then have to uh, forfeit them. Uh, things just didn't work out. They couldn't take the time. They got whatever. I, we could go on for on. But if if you don't pick it up, then that leaves that spot on the quota for somebody else to come come take it so it's it's a good way to make sure that the people that are going to go actually do check in let's say the the other side of it let's say there's some kind of disaster there's an avalanche um if if they don't have you logged in as starting your hike then they don't need to go looking for you just because you pulled a permit so if you stop and think about it the permit system the regulation is all for very good reasons don't fight it enjoy it and and realize it's a good thing all right, and we come back after the break. We're going to talk about uh, once you have. But the, do sorry about that. Uh-oh, do keep in uh-oh. do keep in mind the ranger's office hours for the day before. You you know you you can't just necessarily stroll in and, and grab it from a Seven Eleven. So you gotta you gotta pay attention to when they open, when they close, and if they have a uh, after hours pickup box. Yeah, yeah. The after hours pickup box is key because sometimes you're driving from distance to get to the trailhead, and you're going to hit that ranger station after hours, and so. The, they do have options for you to pick up permits at a specific location outside of the ranger station after hours. So good point, good point yeah, on a spot-by-spot basis. So as I was saying, when we come back after the break, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, what other preparation we did to get us ready. For sure. Buddy, I know you're a big sports fan. If you're also looking for a great sports podcast, you should give the Commuters Pod a try. It's three guys you may know who have very different opinions, giving their takes on a wide array of college and professional sports. Tune into the Commuters Pod and give it a shot. All right, so we talked a little bit about this being an endurance, an an exercise, and embracing the suck. How do you get yourself ready physically for for this hike, for this level of hike? Yeah, You, you... uh, in my opinion, as much as the the exercise regimen, make sure you've you've got the fitness to to carry out hiking all day long, literally all day long. Um, I think it's important also to test yourself to the the what a, a lot of athletes recognize is the mental part is as much as anything. Um, are you are you ready for the the comfort for the discomfort? Um, even as simple as just logging hiking miles on on any kind of trail, um, you you really get a sense for uh, picking your through line, uh, and and that may sound corny or kung fu or something like that, but it, it, it's true. You you get you get more efficient at just 
taking steps. <laughs> you know, you've been walking your whole life. But um, you know, I, I try to to point out w- with people new some, especially on a big ascent or descent. I kind of go by the, the the rule of why do it in one step if you can do it in two smaller steps um, because it, it takes a toll. If you're going downhill and you've got many pounds on your back and you're tired, you, that boom, you, you're pushing down through your ankles and knees. Uh, it, it gets tiring. If you're going up, that 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 launching yourself up a big step up is, is exhausting. And if you can split those up, you can go a whole lot longer. Yeah, and I would recommend that in your training hikes with bag, with a packed bag, that you you do not start off on on day one of okay I'm going to do 15 miles because that's what I'm hoping to do on the trail I'm going to do 15 miles on this training hike with a 40 pound pack I think you need to scale down one or the other uh, or maybe both to start off and you say okay I'm going to carry 20 pounds for for six miles yeah. and then you can build up your distance and build up your weight as you go the closer you get to your to the date of your hike for sure. Yeah, otherwise you're going to be real discouraged real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're preventing discouragement. You're you're building up the strength and just just building up the the comfort. You 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 get a sense where you can in one second zip 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 tighten up the the different straps on your pack to write exactly how you like it, mm-hmm. where you know it's going to last you all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we took what was really cool for us is that you know I had never been overnight backpacking before I had all this new gear and it was great to put it on my back and and do some local trails with it but I really wanted to get out there and and set it up and spend the night somewhere for sure and, and test it out so I know we did the Agua Dulce uh, kind of section of the PCT and there's yep. a KOA out there and we we uh, drove out there and we set up our tents and we cooked our dinner with our stoves and yep. and uh, slept out there under the stars got up the next morning and, and did the hike what I have a memorable moment from from that particular <laughs> evening I want to see if, if your memorable moment uh, matches mine so oh, what, what do you what do you remember from that that uh, <laughs> night at the KOA Ooh, I definitely remember a uh, some kind of a porch light. That, that uh, was just there taunting us <laughs> through the night. It seemed like you, you, you turn your back to it and somehow you're still facing it. I, I don't even know what, how that's possible. Um, wow, what, what else going on there? I, 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 small scale things. I think there was a, a discovery about the inadequacy of a stubby spoon. <laughs> um, and uh, may, maybe stubby spoon is a good trail name out there for somebody in the future. If your spoon is not long enough, you get your food all over your hands. It's really <laughs> disgusting. So you got to make sure your spork is a long handled spork. Good point. What I was thinking of was there were a number of campers out there at the KOA and I think they were showing a movie like the, the Goofy movie. Oh, that's right. Remember that? The Goofy? Yep. They're showing they're projecting onto the side of a wall and all the kids and everybody were there watching it and you know meanwhile we're trying to get to sleep because you know it's going to be an early morning and a long day the next day in our our training hike and uh, at some point it kind of got dark out there and I, I started hearing this strange noise <gasps> it was right. it was it was it was a roar there's like it was really it's like a a I said, is that part of the, the Goofy movie? I don't remember a roar being in the Goofy. It went all night long. Yeah. And so we got up the next morning and kind of 
asked each other, did you hear did you hear that roar, that roaring going on? Yeah. And, I, well, and what was as, the explanation? As, as I'm tossing and turning, I, I honestly think there's no, I'm making that up. There's, there's no way I'm hearing a, a lion roar. Um, but not too far away, there, there's a wild cat sanctuary up in that area. So that, that, was, a, that was a doggone real lion <laughs> grumbling all night long. Yeah, that's funny. So I think that was a good experience because it, you know, if we're up in the, in the Sierras and, and you hear that, that sound, we, we now know what that is and, and yes. what we should do. Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't have to be faster than the lion. You have to be faster than, than the guy next to you. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so true. That it's it's. Uh, <laughs> there you go. What are you gonna find out there? You might find a guy named Cheese. You, you might uh, find out your spork is too short, and you might run into a lion. Yeah, yeah. What could go wrong? Uh, we also took a, a a nice training trip to San Gorgonio. Remember yeah, that we were going. We took our gear. We drove up there. Uh, drove through the the lovely town of Mentone. Uh, I mean, Ooh. I mean that with all sincerity. Don't, I don't want any hate mail from from Mentones. Yeah, um, there's an amazing fruit stand or two. To mm-hmm. that also, yeah. Parked the car and we we started going up to Gorgonia. Our plan was to to camp about five miles short of the peak. Yeah, and then uh, either set up our set up our camp and make an assault on the uh, on the peak. Yeah, without the gear, style. yeah, day pack style, or maybe do it the the next morning when we we're fresh. And things didn't go quite as we as we planned, did did it, Brian? <laughs> it worked out a oh, little. Oh, I'm sorry. Different. I'm sorry. I meant buddy. Of course, you said buddy. That's I said the only buddy. real name. It's the only real name. Uh, things did not go the way they were supposed to. Everything was in order in Mentone, and the the people were nice. Um, we probably bought some jerky and. Uh, and a Gatorade, but um, it, it, <laughs> what, what was that? Uh, good 12, 15? Oh, it was like 16 miles where that yeah. that base camp. So we set up um, to come up, you know, in a, a different side of Gorgonio um, than the um, than, than the typical what you might say front side. We kind of went up the back side, um, and it was it was set up to be. We'd make this climb. We'd get to a little meadow area. And and like your exalted host said, we 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 conk out there, or if we're feeling fresh enough, drop our gear, set up camp, so that we can make a, a mad dash to the top, grab the peak, and then come down, uh, which might be in the dark by that time, and we'd have all of our stuff set up. Well, we definitely did get to that meadow. Um, climbing over some snow that was still going, it was April, I think. So. Uh, you know, on, on on these elevations, you'll definitely still see patches of snow, even even in the middle of Southern California. So that that wasn't bad. We're we're still cruising along. We saw a few people, patches of snow where we had to maintain and find the trail. Got to um, got to our our campsite. Windy, getting pretty darn chilly, but sh- nothing the outdoors can't handle. You got a jacket, you're ready for that. Yeah. And then you look over your shoulder, and the clouds are rolling in. They were rolling in. Rolling is probably not the right word. They were they were flying in, and the the weather changed that day on a dime. I mean, it was sunny, it was bright. I mean, there was snow on the ground, but it was it was comfortable. And 100%. then and then those clouds came up over the over the, the edge of the mountain and uh, enveloped us, and I, the temperature I, dropped. We're not joking. Like absolutely within thirty minutes, this whole change happened. Yeah, yeah, yep. And temperature dropped. 
had to drop at least 30 degrees easily. in the span of 30 minutes. And and you know, easily, and it had to be 30 degrees because the sun was shining, breeze started blowing, so it got colder from that. And within half an hour, there was ice on the trees, on the ground, um, as wind is just whipping. It started raining, and then the wind whipping that through, and it was freezing on the pine needles. There was there was within ice half an hour. There was ice on the end of my nose. There were yes, yes. for sure. Um, when we were stomping around, with, you know, did I say it already that this happened within half an hour? If we're walking on our site, we're now crunching on the ground. It, it is frozen. So we um, decided to get our tents set up as quickly as possible. Yeah, which, it, which get, was getting painful. We're not in the ice quite yet. We're no. like, let's get these tents up because yeah. here it goes. And mm-hmm. we still thought. Um, I was thinking, cool. We're probably not going to grab the peak this afternoon, mm-hmm. but we're going to let this storm roll on through because we've been looking like satellite of a, of of, uh, of the weather in the general area. It was probably going to be cold, but we were good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were not good. No, we were not. It, it was painful setting up the tents because you had to take your hands uh, out of the gloves, and it, it was so cold it was painful. The wind was blowing hard. There was uh, hail coming down. Yeah. Um, we tried, so the tents got I, set up. I tied off every guy line point on my tent because it was whipping and shaking and I sure as heck wanted to be inside of that. And if we're spending the night, I, I want to be secure. I don't want it rattling. So. Yeah. Did, did somebody try to make coffee? Um, or, I, or, or, I, I started prepping some food. A, a, uh, a, a lighter wouldn't work because of the wind and I got a cluster of some matches and, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I, I, I made like a little shelter of rocks. And got that and struck struck my stove, an MSR um, stove, so it was pressurized, and, and that got going. Um, <laughs> that that was uh, that was the, the my my final gasp, any of our final gasp at trying to conquer the situation. The yeah. situation quickly conquered us. Yeah, Chopper was with us on this trip as well as the uh, the Aguadulce trip, and so the three of us were up there, and it was it was painful. It was cold. We said, okay, let's get in our tents, get in the sleeping bags. And see if we can wait this out. And yeah, it was and, it was and a few come, minutes. Come back out when when it's a little bit warmer, when the storm's done. And so yeah. we we were each in our individual tents, uh, snug as a bug, snug as a bug, freezing in, outside in our sleeping bags, in yep. full clothing, trying to warm up because we were frozen. And after about uh, I don't know, fifteen minutes, twenty yep. minutes, uh, we we call we call I, out I heard to a each voice. other. Yeah, <laughs> call out to each other. Hey guys. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. I think we're all scared of freezing to death at that point. And they're finding corpses the next day. <laughs> we did not want another donor party. But I, I, I to this day, I, I can hear Chopper's voice go, Hey, Doc, you want to get out of here? <laughs> and, and all three of us, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we packed up. and <laughs> That we, wasn't even the hard part. <laughs> we packed up, which was, again, painful on the hands, and trudged down the... Uh, I don't know, eight, ten miles that we had climbed up uh, yeah, to get to the car. As I remembered, it, it, was, it was closer to 16. Um, nevertheless, I'm not bickering over that, but it, it was it was not, now we've made our decision to get out of the ice storm. It was like, let's haul ourselves out of here. Yeah. <laughs> at, the, at that elevation, it was still spitting ice out of the sky at us. Um, at this point, the, the trail has turned into a, into a stream because that much rain is flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the farther down you got... You got out of that ice mm-hmm. hitting you and just got drenched. It was raining so yeah. hard. Everything was wet. Feet were wet. 
cold, shivering the whole way, just trudging. It was it was a death march back down to the car, and uh, we did go to In and Out though on the way home, which was yeah. which was a plus. That's a In and Out was a big. Thumbs up improvement over you know dehydrated. Uh, I, I would get a double food. double that we didn't exactly look like your typical in and out clientele <laughs> yeah. in, in the state we were in. Hey, hey, now, buddy, a few minutes ago you said you said Doc. Hey, Doc, what do you think? Oh, yeah, and you know, I want to, I, I, I want to. Well, I, I kind of want to go back because I'm feeling a little bit guilty on this podcast because. You know, the, the name of the podcast is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. And, you know, I have social media with John Freakin' Muir, Instagram, Twitter. Everyone knows that. Yeah, of course. Of course. Follow immediately. But it's really a, it's a persona for the podcast. It's a persona for the social media. That is, my, my trail name is not uh, John Freakin' Muir. And so I, I've, I've been feeling a little bit that would, guilty. That would take way too long to say that. Yes, <laughs> it would. Yeah. It, hey, John Freakin' Muir, do you want to stop here and get something? <laughs> So my trail name is Doc, and I don't know that anything specifically happened on the trail that uh, gave me that name. It's just what uh, Chopper and, and Buddy referred to me automatically as. So. I, I, I think it's the. Uh, it definitely has to do with the the efficiency and the the professorial wisdom um, that, that that comes from you. <laughs> Pearls of wisdom just dropping from the lips of Doc. Got Absolutely. it. All right. You know, when, when we're talking about whatever TV series we're watching and, and he's, Doc will come out like, you know, the way I see it, it comes and you're like, whoa, that next level. <laughs> next level or I really missed the boat and you're just... Oh, I go next level. Humoring sure. me. Okay. All right. All right. After the break, we're going to get back and talk about uh, food, food storage, and how do you package that. Yep. Stay tuned. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. All right, so we've made mention of uh, dehydrated food and stoves. Um, What are some of your favorite meals out on the trail? And I think if you have not packed for a long distance hike, I mean, we should talk about uh, bear canister, which is required on the John Muir Trail, yeah, and how to get enough food uh, into the bear canister because it's not it's not efficiently packaged when you buy it from REI or, or yeah, other stores. Even the stuff that looks like it's back tiny, mm-hmm. you can do better. Mm-hmm. Um, I going back to this is this is a getting started. I I want to hit on the the bear canister. Um, you know, people don't cheat on that one. Um, not, not so much because the, uh, the bear is going to come, you know, sniffing out your food and, and eat you alive. Um, but it's a, the, the reason for that is everyone, everyone 
works together. It's uh, it's kind of a socializing with the bears. If if they can get to your food, they're they're smart little suckers. So over time and over generations, they know that that bright colored tent on the ground means food that I can get to. If you put it in the bear canister, it's not just that one off. They won't get it tonight, but bears in general will not be able to get food in general from campsites in general, and then they leave people alone. Yeah, um, and makes makes it safer for the hikers. It makes 100%. it safer for the bears because if bears if a bear annoys uh, a human or, or gets used to living off of human food and there's too much human interaction, eventually that bear is going to have to be put down. So it's, it's yeah. safer for the bear. It's safer for the for the hiker to make sure that you adhere to the bear canister rule in on the, the John Muir Trail. Yeah, t- talk about hiking and people are like, what about bears? <laughs> you know, that's the biggest fascination. And they, they really want to be left alone as much as you want them to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, play along with that one. But buying your food, packing your food is, is, is an art. Mm-hmm. Um Art because it uh, comes with personal preference, and the there's a there's a lot of great things out there that um, that are for sale. The you can you can be kind of athletic um, stuff where energy bars and things like that. You can get into those um, if you enjoy those. Those are great. Um, they they've got the freeze dried meals that they're they're downright good. <laughs> you know, they, they are, they are tasty food. And even out on the trail, they're more tasty, not gourmet, but they get you, they get you right where you live. They've got enough fat. They've got enough carbs. They've got enough salt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is good stuff. Yeah. Um, they make it super simple. You, you tear up on the top, mm-hmm. uh, put in hot water and, and away you go. Yeah. There, there were some of the prepackaged meals that I really enjoyed. Um, including there was like a, uh, a steak one. That was that was really good. I can't remember the exact title, but it was it was a really good steak dehydrated meal, very tasty. The uh, the mac and cheese is pretty good. Spaghettios is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I in in recent trips, I have really gotten away from the the prepackaged meals, and I've gone with. Have you accepted the gospel the of Buddy? I I have Buddy. One of Buddy's favorites was ramen and spam. Yes. And I, I've done a variation of that on the, on the last few trips and I've oh, done detail. I've done ramen and tuna. I've found nice. diff- different flavored tunas in yeah. packs that uh, are nicely nicely set up so that you know, it adds a little bit of flavor, a little bit of protein, some calories. You're definitely going to be in calorie deficit when yeah. you're out there. So you're trying to get as many calories as possible. The, the ramen and the tuna or the ramen and the spam, very, very good options. Definitely respect the, the ramen and tuna. For me, those those taste buds just aren't there. I have found that if it ever swam in its lifetime, I can't handle it. So yeah. I, I just don't like the flavor. So, yeah. but it's perfect option. Um, the what what got me on the on the spam and ramen? The spam obviously protein and and some fat in there to help you recover. Um, I make that my dinner meal, and that's that's kind of the, the nutrition for overnight recovery. Rebuild your muscles that you were using all day. Um, Spam and ramen. I talked earlier about you, 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 the prepackaged, excellent options. They they taste good. They're they're dialed in. You know what you're gonna get for sure. Um, energy bars. Those are good. All kinds of flavors. But I go more in the direction of you can't beat a pop tart and some spam and ramen. Um, that they taste good. They're everything you need. They're, they're there's fat and carbs and salt, and you're ready to go. I like to. It's just food. I'm going to eat it, right? It's going to be gone. So wherever possible, I like to save money on that so that the money can go to better gear. Good point. Good point. Now, the for our long distance hike, the 120 miles that we did on the, the John Muir Trail that summer, 
what I realized was that the packaging that the food comes in, the dehydrated food comes in, it's not easy to sandwich all of that plus your your breakfast food and your afternoon snacks into the bear canister. It won't all fit the way it's packaged. And so what I did was I would open up the dehydrated food. I would pour it into a Ziploc bag. Yeah. I would write on the Ziploc bag what it was and how many cups of water needed to be yeah. added to it. Yeah. And then I could fold up the packaging that it came in really tight. And so it kind of sandwiched in there better. Yes. And I said all the air. Right. And so I used that as a cook bag when, when it was finally time to eat that meal. Yeah. But the Ziploc bags the, the, form the Ziploc fit. bags don't stand up to boiling water as well as you might like. So that, the foil lined one is key. That is the pro tip. That's the pro tip insight from Buddy uh, today. <laughs> Do not use the, the Ziploc bag to boil your water in. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so use it. Use the the original packaging as a cook bag, but you could fold it up nice and tight and kind of be able to get everything into the bear canister that you need. And also another good tip is that in the morning you want to take out the food that you're going to be eating for the day mm-hmm. and kind of put that in a separate uh, Ziploc bag at the top of your pack, yeah. so that when it gets when you when you hit into camp or when as you're walking down the trail throughout the day, you're able to access that food very quickly. You don't have to take off the pack and get out the bear canister and open that up. And that's just way too time consuming. So keep your food at the top of the pack in a, in a bag that you're going to be using for the day. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, squeezing every last inch out of the, out of the canister, I, that we go, I, I think all of us go, day one food, you don't need to worry about fitting that in the canister because you're going to eat it all that night anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Save yourself a little bit of room. Um, other room, cramming it in, you know, the, your food choices and how they fit in, and you get real uh, Tetris in there. You know, I, I, I go, I talked about the, the Pop-Tarts, so my bear canister, it's a cylinder, so you'll have Pop-Tarts ringing around the side and everything packed in, you maximize that. Um, Tetris, love it. I love <laughs> along, it. along those same lines, um, uh, the, you, you'll read a lot of places that, you know, bring enough food, plus probably enough for two days extra. Um, I'm not a believer in that. And I'm not trying to convince anybody, but that's just the way I roll. I kind of figure if I'm going out for 10 days and something goes haywire and I got to bail out halfway through, I'm already on five days extra food to hike me back out of there. Um, and then I also have a little bit of the roll of the dice uh, philosophy in that if I come up a little bit short, I can go a day or two on on half calories rather than full. You know, I I know I'm headed to civilization. I'm not Lewis and Clark. Yeah, yeah. I think we both started with a with a little bit uh, extra, not in the bear canister, just around the waist that we could <laughs> we could live off of for a couple of days. We'll be all right. <laughs> all right. Hey, we're getting down to the last couple of topics uh, for the end of this episode. Um, how do you find out about trail conditions? I know yeah. that in past years there have been. Um, winters where there's been not a whole lot of snow and there's been winters where there's been a tremendous amount of snow and so yeah. how do you how do you plan accordingly where do you find that information so that you can plan that yeah there, there's there's a couple of things obviously when you turn on the news and and they say it's like snow apocalypse you know that there's a lot of snowy conditions in a lot of places no but but the um 
Facebook groups, the, those are good. Um, that there's a couple of people that that do a lot of trips um, on Instagram that I check out, and and what they they post, they'll share some some trail conditions, um, what they're doing. Uh, usually, there's somebody out that that's going out really early season, mm-hmm. um, and I'll leave it up to those people. <laughs> you know, yeah. For for the same reason, I have life insurance. <laughs> I'll let the early season people go. Um, w- when you're out there. This should not scare you. Just just make good decisions um, in in very snowy stuff. Unprepared novice people on snowy peaks. There, there's people that get sliding or slip through um, the snow that's on top of rocks and they didn't know it was there. And and it, it's not impossible to have broken leg or or worse. Um, up there. So that's the early season stuff. I'm I'm totally okay with avoiding that. Yeah, we we. With the exception of that first trip, which was at the end of June, I think we've gone later than that on our other trips. We've yeah. gone in, in August. I even did a, a hike of that southern half again with with uh, a guy I'm very familiar with by the name of Jukebox. We we did we did the southern half uh, closer to September. Yeah, which, and that was a heavy that was a heavy snow year, <laughs> high water year. Uh, so yeah, there, were, there was still there was still a lot of snow on the ground. There were there were snow bridges that were very shaky and uh sketch and uh high high torrential rivers that we had to cross yeah so all any of these challenges you know they can be overcome but that is the time to you really want to be focused you you don't want to be some reckless oh i can do it just Mm -hmm. you know think about what you're doing it's there's no doubt in my mind that anybody can go out there and do it safely Mm -hmm. but you got to do that on purpose um the you and I have talked about uh, chapters of our unwritten book, and you know, so th- there's those kind of things, these chapter titles and, and slogans, um, and something I live by out there. I'm never going to do anything intentionally stupid, uh, and some people do. <laughs> that, that is a rule to live by. Don't do anything intentionally stupid. Nice. Um, other other weather things, um, not not just the weather that that social media groups can really help with, but other trail conditions. Um, right before you head out, recheck the Forest Service website where you first initially went for your permit because they will have updates. They will have trail maintenance. They will have um, warnings. Say, hey, you know, maybe there's been some wildlife activity. Maybe there's been a, a landslide. They give those updates and, and those are pretty key. They're, they're the type of information that you, you can't really get from other sources that don't have rangers out um, walking the trails. Yeah, I just noticed a new feature on Google Maps. Even as, mm-hmm. as you're as you're kind of getting closer and closer to your your hike date, if you go on Google Maps and you zoom, you you go to the area where you're going to be hiking. Let's go to Yosemite here. On the uh, I know I know you listeners out there can't see this, but trust me on this. It's gorgeous. If you, you kind of zoom in. All of a sudden, the temperature appears in the upper left corner. That's something new within the last few months. I, I did not notice that before. And so it's the, the local temperature. Yeah. If, if you're wondering, it's 24 degrees in Yosemite right now. So there you go. Useful. Now we know. Yeah. Write that down. Okay. Um, <laughs> quick, quick little fun story out on the trail. We're just getting pounded with a rainstorm, an all-night-long rainstorm. Um, I, uh, I measure the magnitude by, by the ranger that we talked to in the morning said, whoa, I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> that makes me feel particularly cool. We were, um, we were, we were special. Yeah, we were special we were. that trip. We got to experience that. So, you know, back to the, the life insurance policies and leave early season hikes up to the, the psychos. Um, 
I we carry a, a satellite um, in inReach um, that it's owned by Garmin now. Satellite things we can send out home. So we're get, we're getting pounded by this storm, and I, I send a message out back home and say, "Hey, can you give a weather update?" You know. Um, west of Independence and north of Whitney Portal. Uh, and what comes back is, looks like some you know scattered storms, but pretty clear. <laughs> and it was so not clear. A couple days later, we, we get out back into civilization and, and turns out the weather check. I said west of Independence and they pulled up the town of Independence, which is you know not too far away from Death Valley. Yeah. <laughs> totally different weather conditions than what we were getting pummeled by. Um, but uh, that that's that's another good thing um, for immediate conditions when you're out there. Uh, that if you've got two way satellite, and I can't recommend the satellite enough, two way satellite by in reach, you can also send out for a three day weather forecast, and and it'll ping back based on your GPS locations. Nice, very helpful, very helpful. All right, so maybe the last thing you need to arrange uh, before your trip, you've got your you've got your gear, you've got your food, it's all packed up, you've done your training, you've ramped up your endurance, you're ready for the hike, you have your permit. Um, you should probably figure out, especially if you're doing a section hike or a through hike, how you're getting to the trailhead and mm-hmm. who's picking you up from the other end of the trail. Yep. Yeah, because there's, there's there's not always going to be just a, a, a car or an Uber. And might, <laughs> sure. Uber might not be the most cost efficient way to, to do that. So, yeah. um, um, I, it's probably smart if you've got two friends, one a little more reliable than the other. Choose the more reliable one to pick you up at the end, because <laughs> because you've got days out, no no communication. You want to make sure that person uh, is going to be right where they said they were going to be when when you don't want to take another step. Yeah, you don't you don't want Bob to be sitting in front of the TV. Uh, <laughs> oh, was that today? <laughs> Three hundred miles away, <laughs> looking at his watch, saying, "Wait, I feel like I'm supposed to do something today." What what was that? You want him at the at the trailhead waiting for you? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe with a beer and a burger in hand too. Oh, can, yeah. can you be even better? Yeah. So one of my my favorite transportation stories <laughs> is that summer of 2015, where you know there's three of us. There's me, Buddy, and Chopper, and uh, uh, Mrs. Doc and Mrs. Chopper agreed to do the pickup, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Buddy agreed to do the drop off. Yep, and all three of those people are all highly reliable. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to call any one of those Bob who will forget you. Oh, good, good, good catch there, buddy. Good catch. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea who might be listening to this podcast. That Mrs. Uh, buddy is reliable. Okay, good. That is clear. But the funniest thing was to get to uh, Florence Lake. You're on a little. Single lane, hugging the road, hugging the, the Kaiser side Pass. of Kaiser Pass, hugging the side of a mountain with huge washouts and you know mm-hmm. sheer cliffs to your to yeah. your immediate left or right, depending on how you're going. The the whole road was paved once upon a time, mm-hmm. and definitely portions of it remain paved today. Um, but but it's uh, it's not a beauty. Um, so what 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 makes this a, a really fun tale is that that part of the the Western Sierras, my family spends time up there 
every summer. So, you know, familiar territory. Mrs. Mrs. Buddy knew this. Mrs. Buddy knew this area. Knows the area yeah, okay. for sure. Right. Um, passing up Shaver Lake, passing up Huntington Lake, and then making the bend of what leads to Kaiser Pass Road. Um, and, and she knows the place. And I say, hey, you're the best. You're dropping us off. It's a single lane road for 15 miles-ish. Um, it, it's a single, you know those roads that when we go off on something when we're camping and, and we do a, a day hike and we get to that trailhead by going dirt roads, it's like that. Mrs. Buddy, talented lady, full of confidence, says, yep, no problem. I got this. I've been driving up there most of my life. Not a problem. And so, tell it gets funny because you know, we leave our place in Southern California to head up there probably about noon. And yeah. we're, we're driving on this single lane highway, a single, not even, it's not a highway, this single lane road, Kaiser, Kaiser Road, uh, probably five o'clock, five thirty. Yeah. And it's getting darker, getting a little bit darker. The sun's going it's, down. It's, like, it's definitely late in the day. And it was jovial. It was jovial at first. You know, we have Buddy driving. We have Mrs. Buddy in the passenger seat. Chopper and I are in the back seat. We are having a good old time. This is going to be our first big trip. We're excited. Uh, people are people are happy. And as we, as the sun goes down and we're on this road, uh, hugging this, the, the side of a mountain. And Mrs. Buddy's not known for being quiet in general. And she got, she got quiet real quick <laughs> as she's thinking, okay, we've got another, you know, five miles on this road. I'm going to drop them off. And then I have to turn around and drive back 15 miles in the dark on the side of this mountain. Yeah, it's gonna be it's uh, gonna to be get, twilight on, on to that get, part of the road. To get sure. back to get back to anything resembling something like civilization. Yeah, and you're you are at this point you're two hours from where self service got spotty. You mm-hmm. know so yeah. <laughs> um, and and so how quickly the, the tales turn from the confidence of I've been up there most of my life in the summer to, I, I think maybe this quote actually happened. You never told me this was what the road was going to be like. I think there, I, I think she gave you a new trail name. I think she called you something in that in the car ride. I, I don't remember what it was, but I remember. I'm I remember sure she I, called me a lot of things. I remember a name. Yeah. So that was that was funny. Yeah. Make sure that you get somebody uh, reliable and someone who. Who understands that, especially when they're picking you up, that you're going to stink. <laughs> you're you're going to smell. You're going to be in the car with them for a, a possibly couple, couple, three, four hours, and it's you know not going to be pleasant. <laughs> yeah, and you know the especially on the northern side, as you're up above Mammoth and then heading over Tioga Pass around Yosemite, there's some shuttle service and stuff. There, there's things to network you, but um, in, in other spots, you, you're going to need to set up a ride, plan something on there. Um, you can get there, but uh, people come from out of the country and still make it. But uh, key by is, is having a friend that can meet you there. Yeah. It just makes everything better. Yeah, so, buddy, make sure that uh, you tell Mrs. Buddy that I said hi and, and thank you once again for, for doing that for us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, there you have it. That's it. Episode 2 is in the books. I want to thank Buddy for coming in today and living up to his trail name. Very helpful. I hope you enjoyed it and you'll come back for a future episode or episodes. This was a lot of fun. I've got some ideas for future episodes, including segments on gear, like we talked about. Maybe doing a gear shakedown of my, of my pack, of your pack. Uh, some of the best campsites we found on the JMT. Mm-hmm. And, of course, epic stories from the trail. 
And I've also enlisted some guest contributors out there who will be reporting in on some of their funniest or thrilling moments from the trail. In fact, if you are interested in becoming a guest contributor for the John Freaking Muir Pod, there are a number of ways to get in touch. There's email at johnfreakingmuir at gmail.com and freaking, freaking doesn't have a G, so it's johnfreakingmuir at gmail.com as well as Twitter at johnfreakingmuir and Instagram, johnfreakingmuir. There's that persona, very helpful with uh, the social media and email. Very good. Also, if you are hiking all or part of the JMT this season and would like to be a correspondent from the trail in order to share conditions and stories, please get in touch and let's set that up. Thank you for tuning in and always remember, the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.